Now, beloved, if you hear this message again, please be aware that there's no correlation, no collaboration between us. It is purely the Holy Spirit. So if you hadn't heard it the first time, he wants you to hear it again. So I will just uh, reiterate what my brother Howie has said. Thank you, Howard, for taking the sermon so early. But it is also encouraging because my prayer has been to the Holy Spirit to lead me and to guide me when I present this word to you so that it may touch your heart from God's mouth to your heart. Let's not look at the vessels in between. But let us take the word that God has given us and implanted in our heart as a seed and let that seed bear fruit. Because this is what God wants for each and every one of us, is for us to bear fruit. Now every time we hear the sermon, you know, it's, it's so nice that we have this fuzzy feeling on a Sunday morning. When we leave here, we say, what a good message it is. And we have received good teaching from this pulpit. But we need to take that seed and let it bear fruit, brothers and sisters. It is very important. Now, the title of my message is Turning, Triumphs, uh, Turning Trials into Triumphs. So you can gather that the sermon has been preached already. But I want to say again, I want to reiterate it and emphasize it. And there's emphasis on it. Why? Because God wants us to hear this. Not just with our ears and have a slight understanding in our minds, but that we'll have it in our hearts. Because it's such a serious subject. And so often when we go through the trials, and beloved, you will be going through trials. If you haven't been through a trial, or you're not going through a trial, you are going to have a trial sometime in your life. Jesus preached it in his word, as you'll hear later. Paul really reiterated to his converts, as you will hear later. We are going to have trials in our lives. And you might be going through one now. Death of a loved one, loss of a job, financial difficulty, or some personal trauma that you might be going through. And it might not even be something that serious, or something that you might recognize as a trial it might just be the anxiety of life itself what is tomorrow going to bring for my children for my grandchildren the world is so upside down these days that it's not difficult for us to have anxiety in our lives there's no escaping trials at the point at some point in your life as i said either you have been are going through or will go through a trial and we think of people in the Bible that have been through trials and the obvious jumps out in the book of Job. Yes, Job went through tremendous trials in his life. And we all know the story where everything was taken away from him. All his riches. He was a very rich man, but that was taken away from him. He had a family that he loved and that was taken away from him. And that was not all. He suffered from serious illness also. And even throughout all of this, these trials and tribulations that he was going through, 
he still had the right attitude. He still said, even if God smites me down, I will praise him. How awesome an attitude was that. What a foundation it must be in his life to have that attitude. Where you can say that it doesn't matter what happens in my life, even if God kills me, I will still praise him. And that is where we must come from, beloved. But you see, for me, there's somebody else in the Bible that went through a most unimaginable test. And here I'm thinking of Abraham. Where God commands him to take his son up into a mountain and to sacrifice his son. Not just to leave his son, to leave a loved one. No. To sacrifice that son. Let's read it. In Genesis 22. From the first verse. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Beloved, you are going to have tests in your life. It's in the word. And said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, and listen to what Abraham says to the young men, stay here with the donkey the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father? And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Wouldn't they just break your heart? Where you know what is coming and you have to explain to your beloved child what's going to happen. And they came to the place of which God had told them and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood on in order and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad and do anything to him. For now I know you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. What a heart-rendering story. And what's the faith, yes. Beloved, let us remember, this was the promised son. God had pro promised Abraham that his descendants will be like the stars. And God gave him a son. And now God is asking him to sacrifice the son. What Abraham did not have to go through in those three days of traveling or the night that he had to spend before they left, 
the wrestling that he must have had. Am I hearing clearly from God? Is it God that is speaking to me? But he knew. Abraham knew. This was the most unimaginable test that anybody can go through. See, there was no history in God's covenant of human sacrifice. This was a pagan idea. The pagans did that. But Abraham believed God. Abraham had faith. He was obedient. There's obedience. Thus God counted unto him righteousness. You see, the commentary that we find for this passage, we find in Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19. And it gives us an insight into what Abraham was thinking and why he was willing to sacrifice his son. Let's read it. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. By faith. See, Abraham had faith in his life. He knew the God that he was, that, that he served. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed you shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up. See, God had faith. That even if I have to sacrifice my son, God will raise him up. Because God had promised me the promises that he made to me. Beloved, we realize that God is going to allow us to go through tests. And the thing that sustains us during these tests is the trust in God. Our faith that God is working all things out for his own holy purpose. It's not for fun that God is doing these. God is building our character. God is allowing us to go through these tests. It's even Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. As my brother has mentioned earlier, it doesn't matter how deep the valley is, God is with you. God never leaves you. Right throughout the word, God tells us about these trials and tribulations. But he also promises us that he'll be with us. He's with us. So it doesn't matter what trial you're going through. God is there with you. And there are eight, reasons, eight suggestions I want to make why we have to endure these trials. The first is trials come to, to, to test the strength of our faith. In 2 Chronicles 32, 31 is a passage. However, regarding the ambassadors of the prince of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonders that were done in the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him, that he might know all that was in his heart. Speaking here of King Hezekiah. Now, what was happening, let me tell you a little bit what happened before. The king of the Syrians... Sennacherib came up against all of the countries round about Assyria. And he was conquering all of these countries. And what happened is he sent out messengers to Jerusalem, Judea, to go and taunt the people, to tell them that, yes, the king of Syria is going to come and to conquer the people. So Hezekiah and Isaiah and the whole of Jerusalem cried out to the Lord. And they were fearful. And the Lord sent an angel to wipe out all of the Assyrians. So much so 
that even King Sennacherib, when he returned to his own land, his own people killed him because they, of the dishonor that he brought. But that's not the story. See, God allowed Hezekiah to be tested, not for God to know, because God knows our hearts. God tested him so that he can know his own heart. Because what happened previously is that, remember, Hezekiah was very rich. Even gaining cities and, and cattle and gold and silver, the word teaches us. And he had all of these things. And he fell deathly ill. And he prayed to God. And God healed him. But he didn't humble himself when God had healed him. Only later did he humble himself. So you see, he was vacillating in his, in his faith. And this is the story where God just withdrew himself so that he could test and let Hezekiah know his heart. So after he was humbled, God tested him so that he can check the pride in his own heart. See, God is omniscient. We know that. So God doesn't need to, to find out how we, what is in our hearts. He knows already what's in our hearts. And so one of the purposes of testing is to reveal to you and to me the strength of our faith so that we can, can move along the path to greater strength. And this is the, 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 the theme that you will hear throughout of this message, spiritual maturity. God wants us to mature. That is why we go through these trials. All of these aspects that we are going through, you will see that they're there so that we can grow. The second is we must recognize that trials come to humble us. So often we think that we've made it. We go to church every Sunday. We're part of all of these groups. And uh, yes, we're doing our thing. And we feel that uh, we, we, we're there. We've arrived. But no. God humbles us through the testings. He allows tests to come our way. And personally in my life, looking back in my life, so often the times that I've wandered off on my own way, backslidden a little bit, funnily enough, something happens. And what's the first thing that you do? You fall on your knees. God, help me. Lord, help me. And suddenly you are, are back where you're supposed to be. So God humbles us. I believe the Lord brings trials in our lives also to wean us from the worldly things. How often haven't we heard of the mega rich people that comes to the end of his life and he's lying in his deathbed and he's crying out and his family don't visit him. Why? Because he's worked 20 hours a day, seven days a week, didn't care about his family. Now he's got all of these riches, Rolls Royces in the garage, mansion that he has, but he's lying in an hospital bed. And suddenly he realizes that all of these things are useless. So God uses the trials to wean us off these worldly possessions that we think are there to prop us up. Our status, our riches, the cars that we drive, the houses that we live in, the titles that we, that we have in our lives. God uses trials to wean us from those. I believe the Lord brings trials in our lives also to call us to eternal hope. To make us focus, not on what's around about us, our circumstances, our lives, whether they might be comfortable or a little bit less comfortable, but that we have eternal hope. 
that our focus is on the unseen and not the seen. They cause us to think on these things divine, things heavenly. And so that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 18, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Then he goes on to say, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the, the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So they are there to change our focus from our circumstances, from our physical lives, to what's eternal. What's going to come after our spiritual lives. That is why our spiritual maturity is so important. And that is why we could go through these trials for us to be reminded so that we can grow. You've often heard that God is more interested in your character than your comfort. What happens when you're uncomfortable? You're going through a test to build your character. And it's important. Fifthly, trials also serve a very important purpose because they reveal to us what we really love. You see, if you supremely love God, you're going to say, thank you, God, for what you are accomplishing through this. Help me to see that and give you glory through you are allowing this to happen because you're allowing this to happen. You see, so often we go through some tribulation, some trial in our lives, and we ask, why? Why me? Isn't it obvious? Isn't it sometimes exactly what we do? Why am I going through this, Lord? But that's the wrong focus. That's the wrong question. See, because if you love God, we've just heard now that your focus will be on eternal things and not on the temporal things, so that you know that you are being tested maybe for some work to be done. You're being tested so that your character can be strengthened, so that you can mature spiritually. That is what it's all about. But if you really love self more than God, you're going to say, God, why do you let this happen? You're going to be irate. You're going to be upset. You're going to become bitter, as we often do. And you're going to be full of anxiety. Can you see the spiral that you're in all of the time, going through this desk? If you ask the wrong question, if you have the wrong attitude, you'll just be going around the mountain, figuratively, until we grow. Why does God allow it? He wants us to grow spiritually. He wants to strengthen us. Luke 14, 26 and 27. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be what? My disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So yeah, Jesus is saying, we need to bear our cross, follow Jesus. 
What does he mean when he says that we must hate our brothers and sisters? Is that the message? No. That's not the message. If you do not love God to the degree that you are willingly, if necessary, to cut yourself off from your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your own life, then you don't love God supremely. You are not worthy to be his disciple. What does it mean to be cut off? We mean that you will do the will of God first and foremost before thinking of all these other things. So it doesn't say that we have to hate them. It just says that we have to love God more. And we have to do God's will first and foremost before we think on these other things. Another reason why trials teach us to value the blessing of God they teach us to value the blessing of God. You see, reason teaches us to value the world because we can reason it. If I work hard, lots of money, if I have lots of money, I can have a good life, all of those. See, it's also the senses. Feeling tells us to value pleasure, but faith tells us to value God. Not only God's word, but also God's favor, God's blessings. Trials teach us as blessings of obedience. While we are going through trials, if we are obedient, God will bless us. Amid a trial, we obey and are blessed. And I would say that when you go through a trial, if you learn to obey God, you will experience the exhilaration of His blessings that He has promised you. Sufferings also come. And this is a very, very valuable purpose. Sufferings come to enable us to help others in their suffering. Have you heard about walking a mile in somebody's shoe before you can understand what they are going through? That is why God allows the trials and tribulations to come to us. So that at some stage in the future, you might be in a position to help someone. Because you can understand, you can grasp what they are going through. How wonderful it is. How wonderful that God allows us to learn by experience to instruct others. Trials also come to develop, to develop endurance, enduring strength for greater usefulness. God allows us to go through these trials and these tribulations so that He can use us. Why? Because you are not going to be vacillating in your faith. You've built, your character's been built up strong enough for God to say, now I can use you to do this job for me. Because this job is going to require spiritual strength, spiritual maturity. So what's the purpose God has in testing us? First, it is to strengthen our faith that we might know where our strength is or isn't. Secondly, to humble us, to let us let the trial more confident in our spiritual strength that we should. Thirdly, to wean us away from the worldly things. Fourthly, to call us to a heavenly hope so that we can live in the above and not in the below. Fifthly, to reveal what we really love. Sixthly, to teach us the value and the blessing of God and to appreciate it as, as it comes to us out of the times of suffering. Seventhly, to enable us to help others in trials. And lastly, to develop enduring strength for greater usefulness so that God can thrust us into greater places of ministry and effectiveness.
So, beloved, one thing that we can know that has come out of this so far is that the trials are going to come. cannot be avoided. And we might even say, I know that they are going to come. And I know all these things are God's purpose in them. And He wants to accomplish all in this. I can bind to that. But I still don't know the answer. How do I get through it in the middle of this trial? How do I make it through? It's fine to have all of these points and it's all understanding. But how do I make it through these trials when they come? And this is where James 1 verse 1 to 12 speaks to our hearts. Let us read it. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that your testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it to all liberally and without approach, reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." Let the lowly brother glory in his ex exaltation, but the rich in, the, in his humiliation, because of, as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flowers falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. How awesome passage. What an awesome passage. James was a brother of Jesus who only came to believe in Christ after Christ had risen and appeared to James. You see, so often those in our families, we tend to shun them and we don't tend to believe what they say. And when Jesus was on the earth, preaching, his brothers and his sisters thought, but this is the same person that we were running around playing soccer with. How can he be the Messiah? But after his death and resurrection, which we are going to be celebrating next week, they realized that he must be the Messiah. And the conversion of James was so strong that he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem in a very short period of time. But the reason why James wrote this letter, he wrote it to the Jewish Christians that were dispersed. Because remember, they were persecuted. So the Jewish Christians were dispersed. And he was writing this letter to them because they were having problems in their personal lives and also in their church fellowship. They were going through difficult testings and they were facing temptation to sin. And one of the major problems that would was a failure on the part of many, was to live what they professed to believe. Does it sound familiar? Isn't that exactly what the church is going through today? 
Are we living what we profess to believe? We are also going through trials and testings. Even in the church. All of these problems have a common cause. Spiritual immaturity. The theme that runs through this whole message. Spiritual immaturity. And we've read now the passage in James 1, verses 1 to 12. And first, there are imperatives that we need to follow. Now, imperatives is not a suggestion. It's a command. When we are going through these trials and tribulations, these are the imperatives that we need to follow to strengthen ourselves. And the first of those is a joyous attitude. Count it all joy when you're going through the tribulations and testings. Count it all joy. This count means, a, 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 it's, it's a financial term that means we have to evaluate. In other words, we have to evaluate, evaluate the testing that we are going through in light of what God is doing in us. Not to feel anxious, not to feel angry or irate, but to evaluate it. Why is God putting me through this test? Once again, spiritual maturity. You see, our outlook determines our outcome. And our attitude determines the actions we take. It is very important that our outlook needs to change. It is not about us becoming bitter because we are going through these trials and tribulations. It is about us evaluating why God is this doing this to us. So that we cannot go around the mountain again for the same purpose until we learn. And beloved, on a personal note, if you are going through the same test all of the time, you feel in your life that I've gone through this test now for a number of years. Is it not just because you are not listening? Is it not just because you are not changing? Is it not just you're not strengthening your faith. We need to count. We need to evaluate. Why is it that I'm going through this, Lord? And it's not if, it's when. The believer who expects his Christian life to be easy is in for a shock. One of the big problems that we have when we are preaching to the unconverted is a lot of times we make them believe that once you become a Christian, your life's going to be sorted. You're not going to have any more problems. It's all there. It's, it's all going to fall into place and everything is just going to be hunky-dory. But those of us that have walked this path for a while know that's not true. We know that is not true. Jesus warned his disciples in John 16, 33, In the world you will have tribulation. Jesus himself said it. In the world you will have tribulation. Paul told his converts, we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Acts 14.22 Through much tribulation we enter into the kingdom of God. So beloved, it's not if, it's when. But how, may you ask, is it possible to rejoice in the midst of trials? And this is where the second imperative comes in. Knowing this, it's an understanding mind 
We need to understand. We need to change our outlook so that we can understand what this is all about. Knowing this, that is the test, that this test is producing something. It's going to happen. Faith is always tested. Testing works for us and not against us. See, once we start having this attitude that, yes, this trial and this tribulation that I'm going through is working for me, it takes a bit of the difficulty away. It changes the way we look at it. And remember what we said? Outlook determines outcome. What do you want the outcome to be? I want to get through this. What does the Word teach us? While we are going through it, God is with us. He never leaves us. That's the promise that He, that he gives us throughout His Word. Trials rightly used help us to mature. Isn't that what God wants for us? To mature spiritually. The only way the Lord can develop patience and character in our lives is through trials. But beloved, a secret. Don't park there. We can't stay there. You can't wallow and pity, you know, for everybody to pity us while we're going through this trial. We can't park there. Because then we are just punishing ourselves. Then we are not listening to what God is trying to teach us. And we are not growing. We're like babies, having to be fed milk all of the time. We need to start growing so that we can start eating the meat. The solids. But so many of us, especially in the church today, we just want to be fed the milk all of the time. It's comfortable there. But we need to be weaned off the milk now. We need to grow spiritually. God wants to use you. But He can't use you when you're still drinking milk, like a baby. Because you're still a baby. And it's not about how long you've been in the church and how long you've been saved. It's about spiritual maturity. It's important that we grow. It's important that we are weaned off the milk, start eating the meat. Because there's a reason. God wants to use you. God needs you. Times are coming of persecution where God wants to use the church so that we can draw others into His kingdom. God wants to save each and every person on this earth. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Doesn't say just the church, doesn't say just the Christians, just those that come to church every He loved the world, and that is why he gave his son. Thirdly, it needs a submissive will. Let patience have its perfect work. In other words, let it happen because God is at work. God's purpose in the trials is maturity. Once again, spiritual maturity. In Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, Paul outlines three works that are involved in a complete Christian life. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. For God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Three things there. It's for us, and that's the salvation. Christ did that work on the cross for us. It's in us. It's a sanctification day by day. 
God builds our character and we become more like Christ, as my brother alluded to. And through us, it's for service. God wants to raise us up. God wants to bless us. God wants to build our characters so that we can serve Him, so that we can do the work that He is. Funny enough, in our group, we, we like to encourage each other, and one of our sisters sent out a, a short clip that, uh, that, that they're doing, and it, it, it speaks to being at the judgment seat of God, and God asking different people, did you do the work that I sent you for? And, uh, and they come forth, and even a pastor comes forth and says that, uh, yes, I was a pastor for 30 years. And God asks him, did you do the work that I sent you for? And he said, but I was a pastor for 30 years. It's not the work that he was called for. Another one is that a mother comes there and says that I... Uh, I only raised three children. And God says, yes, from those three children, millions of people were saved. Because you were called to be a mother. You did the work that God was doing, what God called you to do. And millions of people were saved. So, beloved, let's make sure we know what God has called us to. But he's first going to build our character to do the service. Once again, outlook. We need to make sure that we have the right outlook. God builds character before He calls us to service. He must work in us before He can work through us. Abraham, 25 years, God was working 25 years in him before He gave him His promised son. Joseph, 13 years of testing before He ascended into the throne of Egypt. Moses, 80 years God was preparing him for 40 years service. Beloved, it's not about the amount of time that we're going through these trials and tribulations. It's the purpose that we are going through them. It's our attitude while we are going through them. Do we believe when we say that God is with us when we go through these trials and tribulations? Are we standing on God's promises for our life? But God cannot work in us Without our consent. There must be a surrendered will. Here we can look at the story of Jonah. We all know the story of Jonah. He didn't have a surrendered will. He went west when he was supposed to go east. Totally opposite direction. We know what happened to him. God gave him trials and tribulations until he submitted his will. God loves his children. He does it for a purpose. And we have to realize what that purpose is. Fourthly, we must have a believing heart. Ask. Ask God for what you need. Ask, verse 6 says, in what? In faith. You have to have a believing heart to believe that God has a purpose and that He will supply everything that you will need for, this, for that trial. We have to have a believing heart. When we are going through God's ordained difficulties... What should we be praying about? And James gives us that answer. Ask God for wisdom. Why wisdom? We need wisdom so we will not waste the opportunities God is giving us to mature. We need to ask for wisdom when we are going through these trials. Lord, what is it that you want me to learn? 
what do you want me to change in my life to strengthen my character so that I can be good for service later? And finally, in verse 9 to 11, is a humble spirit. We can read in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 10, and I want to read it from the New Living Translation. I don't have it up as a, as, as a verse on the board. I will say this, because these experiences I had, this is Paul, Paul speaking to the Corinthians, and he's talking about a time that he was taken up into heaven. I will say this, because these experiences I had were so tremendous, God was afraid I might be puffed up by them. So I was given a physical condition, which has been a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to hurt and to bother me, to prick my pride. There different times, three, I mean three different times I begged God to make me well again. Each time he said, no, because I'm with you. That is all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. Now I'm glad to boast about how weak I am. I'm glad to be a living demonstration of Christ's power instead of showing off my own power and abilities since I know that it is all for Christ's good. I'm quite happy about the thorn and about insults and hardships, persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The less I have, the more I depend on Him. Isn't that awesome? Attitude again. The attitude that we need to have. See, your persevere, your, your, you, we, we persevere through trials with a joyous attitude, an understanding mind, a submissive will, a believing heart, and a humble spirit. Verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures the testings. After he's tried, he's going to be rewarded. God's word, not mine. After the test, you will be rewarded. When your character is strengthened, you will be blessed. Beyond what you can expect. James 1.12. James uses a very important word, love. Why did James use love? Because love is the spiritual motivation behind every imperative we just heard. Why do we have joyful attitude when we face trials? Because we love God. And God loves us. He's not there to harm us. Why do we have an understanding mind? Because He loves us. And He has shared His truth with us. And He loves, and we love Him in return. Why do we have a surrendered will? Because we love Him. Where there is love, there is a surrender and obedience. Why do we have a believing heart? Because love and faith go together. When you love someone, you trust them. And you do not hesitate to ask for help. Beloved, let us hear and do. Not just hear, but let us hear and do. Let us remember this message when we are going through the trials. Let us refer to God's word. Read James 1, 1 to 12 again. Because that is where God teaches, is teaching us. That it's not all for naught. It's not all just for fun that we are going through the trials and tribulations. Let us pray. Dear God, you remind us over and over in your word that you are always with us. You teach us not to fear and you draw us close into your presence. You're the only place we find refuge in the storms that surround us right now. You, the only place we find peace and strength. So we ask you for your words of truth and power to strengthen us in our inner being. 
and in our lives as we lift our hearts to you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you know the way that we take and you have a plan. We look to you today, our Lord and Savior. It's your face we seek.